Other Dads Can't Beat Our Dads on Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello, hello. Uh, you want to speak up there a little bit? Hello, hello, everybody. There we go. Our Better Buddies iceberg this week, how would you react if your father said to you, you're not a real man? Uh, I'd be devastated. Just absolutely devastated yeah i'd be upset on an oedipal level um that's no no well rj that's that's the murder it's the murdering part yes rj there's two parts to it there's two parts to the oedipus complex so devastated by that that you murder your father i'm i'm not saying that i would i'm just saying at an oedipal level i would probably i would be upset i would be angry um but like i also think part of being a man is dealing with supreme rises of emotion and and handling them appropriately so i would i would be i would be angry but i would be um i would probably be like all right that's um you know you're allowed to have thoughts uh and then i would probably go out and do something to prove wrong or by my own life i would just prove him wrong but I definitely would be upset. That would be a little bit sad. I I think there are few, if any, people whose esteem I hold in higher regard. So, like, and even all the times he has said it, I still, I never feel like I fully believe it, you know? Not that he's, he's he hasn't told me I'm not a real man, but the fact that my father has told me I'm a man, and, like, that he's proud of me and stuff, like, I love him and appreciate him for it. But there's always that little bit of me that's like, I don't know if it's really good enough. I don't know if I don't know if I've done good enough. <laughs> that's very honorable. I think that's uh and that's a natural reaction, I think. I think you should have a little bit of humility um in that sense. But what would you do if he said that? Uh if he said I was not a real man, I think I'd probably just stare at his forehead and say okay and nod in agreement until he was done talking and I felt it was appropriate for me to walk away. I'd walk away, break down. Uh, Once I got that out of my system, I would go and do anything and everything I thought it would take to redeem myself in his eyes. Very noble. Yeah. Would it ever occur to you to question his judgment? No. Why? I think it goes back to the fact that I really do, like I said, this is an individual whose opinion of me is probably the most influential, um, and it's not that I believe he is without fault, it is knowing those faults as I have for the length of my life, that I also understand where he's coming from, and his values and his judgments. I... It's the simple values, right? Like, integrity, honesty, justice, right and wrong. And he is not one... He, through hard life lessons, he, is, he learned those values. It is not... They were not necessarily ones that were... I mean, he was a, he was a kid, you know? And he's not the worst person. He wasn't the worst person in the world as a kid. But he, he did... He made his mistakes. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know, it just... I love my dad. What more do you want, you asshole? <laughs> oh, I see. Pulling out the love defense. You're right, though. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think... That's well said. That's really well said. I mean... It would really hurt, and I would be... I would, quite frankly, be simultaneously, like, devastated and furious. Because um, there's a part of me that'd be like, why... Like, why would you say that? Like, what did I do 
wrong. And then there's another part of me that would be like, why the fuck would you say that? Like, what the fuck did I do? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. kind of two sides of the same coin. So, I mean, I think your perspective is right, though, where the best thing you can do, I think what you should do as like a man is like shoulder that burden and set yourself out on a path for redemption. That's a pretty, that's a pretty archetypal quest, you know? Um, I just think like, I think one of the things for me is, and this is how I sometimes approach this. And maybe this is like opening the kimono a little too bit, but like gasp. Um, don't, don't open that kimono. Oh, I all just a little bit. <laughs> just, just enough to show some thigh. Yeah, exactly. This is some thigh action here. Um, some psychological thigh action. Uh, yeah, I, I just think like, um, I think if I am fortunate enough to to ever meet the right person and have children and have a son, have any children, like I, I want my kids to respect me. I want them to understand that like there are some things that I do know that I have learned through kind of like accident and fortune and hard work and uh, also just through kind of inheritance from my own father and my family. And so there are some things that when I do say them, like I do mean them. And even if they might not be right objectively, for me, they have been right. And there is some value in that kind of truth. Um, at the same time, like I don't want my kids to like be so, you know, I don't want them to think too highly of me because I want them to be independent and for themselves. And I want them to, I want them to appreciate my love and affection, but I don't want them to need it, especially in a desperate sense. So like the fuck you trying to I say, think James, ultimately what I'm trying to say with this is like, I, I like, I think <sighs> sounds to me like you're trying to say, I shouldn't love my pops. No, I'm saying you should, but I'm saying like part part of it is like it's it's complicated, right? Because like a true a true and genuine love takes people at all levels of who they are. Like you can't just see your parents especially as these monolithic like mom and dad in big huge stone letters figures. Like they those are like by virtue of them being your mom and dad, there is an essential part of them that will always be that. And there's a part of them that is like so important and special and genuine. And in, in some cases, like almost quite nearly divine. Um, but there are other parts of them that are simply human and that are their first and their last names. And those are important too. And if we're unable to see them as both of those together, um, I think our, our affection, our love for them is skewed. And that's not necessarily saying that, like, you can't think your parents are super special or you can't think that they're ordinary. It's just like, for me, and this is going back, this is my personal perspective and the truth that has worked for me is, like, seeing people trying to take people, like, holistically, both who I have come to know them as and both who I've come to know them as they are. So, I don't know. It's it's difficult. Like, it, like uh, if I, you know, that's like a really, that's a really hard question. Actually. <laughs> I guess yeah. it's like what I'm eventually getting at. So I apologize because I kind of wandered around there. But uh, well, I, I think yeah. to summarize what you're trying to say is you, <laughs> it's, you want children to love their parents and hopefully like their parents but also you need to be careful not to put your parents on a godlike pedestal of they can do no wrong that they are human and acknowledge as such exactly because like for instance if you see your like if you see your dad as like this divine figure and he says like you're not a real man like that is like an existential challenge to you is like not just a a person but like a an essential thing you know that is like a that is like god himself telling you that you, at an atomic level at a level beyond material you're not enough and never will be if you see your dad as a person that can be kind of a, a petty insult um and sort of like a 
like you can just sort of shrug it off. But I think if you see it as combined, you could just see it as you can see it coming from multiple perspectives. Like maybe he saw you do something and he was just like, wow, at a fundamental level, like I don't agree with that. And there's like some part of me that just this is what I have to say to get you to realize that maybe there's a part of him that was hurt by something that you did. And it's somebody who's been hurt who is saying that like it allowing us to see ourselves and the people we know in these kind of gradations in, in these like overlapping shadows, it just gives us this, this, this newfound perspective um, that maybe I think at least it, it can allow you to understand where somebody is coming from so you don't just chalk motivation up to one thing or another you know i think somebody's um, just jealous he doesn't love his dad as much as i love mine i love <laughs> my dad rj and i will kick your ass okay <laughs> my love for I my will, dad's more powerful than your love for your dad i will i will motherfucking kill you if our loves for our dads fought in the fought of the playground mine could kick your ass <laughs> My love for my dad's better at video games than your love for your dad. No, very, very fair. Well said. <laughs> you know, you said you said that like down the line when if when you have marriage and children and things like how you'd want them to like think of you and can we just hash out live on air like can, if mm. if when I have kids can they call you Uncle James? Yeah, dude, I'll Hell be yeah. honored. Are you kidding me? Oh man, RJ, I genuinely would be so honored to have that title. Yes, absolutely, RJ, a thousand times yes. If if my kids get to call you, what would it be? Would it be? Would you prefer Uncle Ralph, Uncle no. RJ? <laughs> Why would I prefer that? I never go by oh. that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. And you also, I wouldn't you maybe... prefer Uncle RJ either. I would need to be known as Uncle Lord Ruler of the Universe. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. All right. Appreciate it. I'll be Uncle James. And you can be Uncle Lord Ruler of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> you kids just need to know where I stand. Yeah. Hey, dude. I'm. I'm more willing to. I. If you show up to my house, like looking the way you do now like some prospecting wizard i'm gonna have the easiest time convincing my children i'll be like dude he like seriously he fucking knows magic dude his dad knows magic and he knows magic you open so... the door i step in with my boots and i take my leather gloves <laughs> off hello children be like oh my god all right everybody be cool everybody be cool you know which yeah, child dude, would like be the... to wear my magic hat? <laughs> you're going to be the coolest, dude. You're be the coolest uncle. Oh, God. I hope I'm not the cool uncle, though. No, you're not like the 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 quote-unquote cool uncle. You're just the actually cool uncle. The real cool uncle. I don't uncle. know about you, but based on my experiences of cool uncles, they're typically the ones whose lives fall up, like have been falling apart the entire time. And it's only when you, like, get into high school that you realize it. Yeah, cool uncle is sometimes sort of a euphemism. Sometimes it's the same thing with, like, cool aunt, you know? Sometimes it's real. Sometimes it's real. Sometimes those people are... I believe that they exist and that they're real. But I also know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be that either. All right. Our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Would you like to start? Uh, or shall I? Uh, you can go, honestly, dude. My recommendation this week is Rogue Tower. It is a video game. I believe I've mentioned it before. I know I mentioned it when I brought up uh, Dungeon Dice. It's the one made by A. Mason. Uh, it is... Uh, Die of Death Games, I believe. Let me verify on is the, the company. Library. And... Where'd it go? I was just looking at it. There it is. Yep, Rogue Tower. Published by... Oof. Can't pull it up. Why is, 
Why is the page? There's the store page. Uh, Rome Tower is a tower defense game where, and having played it now, I can better describe it. Uh, it's Die of Death Games, a game by A.R. Mason. Uh, you start off with a tower, and bef- when you start the game, you pick, is there one path, two paths, three paths, or four paths? Uh... And then when you first start in, there's that number of paths to your tower, but it's just like the one chunk of squares. And you place your towers down and you click which path to extend. So if you're on one path, there's only one way to go. You click extend, it extends the path by another chunk. The enemies show up, come through, you kill them all. And once you've killed them all, you can place more stuff down. And then once you've got everything the way you want it, you click extend again. The path extends another section. You're on to level three. So on and so forth. What's really neat, uh, and I'm not a big tower defense person. I don't play a lot of them. It's a ca- It falls into the casual games category on Steam. This is not like the most complicated video game in the world. It's not the most expansive, extensive tower defense game in the world. But it is pretty neat and cool for its procedural generation. One of the neat things is... The upgrades you get, where initially you have very few upgrades, but as you make runs in the game, for every time you like end a run, you get experience for it. Then in the main menu, you can go to the upgrade section and buy upgrade cards using that experience in the game so that whenever you like finish a level or unlock a randomly dropped chest, you have even more upgrade cards you can upgrade with. And unlock new towers that way as well. It ends up becoming a little bit of strategy too. Of like. Do you unlock all of the upgrade cards in a single tower? Or do you unlock all the towers? Because you only get. Like. You finish a level. You only get like three or four. Options to pick from. So if you have all of the upgrades available. There's a higher chance the upgrades you get. Aren't actually new towers to add. It's upgrades for towers you might not necessarily be able to place down. Any thoughts? So are there like skill trees with these upgrades? Like how exactly do they all relate to each other? Okay. It's kind of like skill trees. So like. Okay. When you're in the upgrade menu, like let's go with just your basic ballista. Yeah. A big crossbow on a tower. Yeah. And you can upgrade it to do like the upgrade paths are like more damage to health, extra damage to shields, extra damage to armor. But then as you go down the tree, you can get it, you can get upgrades where like, oh, they do 25% fire damage, so it leaves a burning effect, or poison damage, so it leaves a poison effect. But once you do those upgrades on the tree, it's not that they're permanently upgraded, it's that those are upgrades you can earn on your next time you play the game. Because it's a, it's a roguelite, right? Where, like, you're going to die a lot. You're going to lose a lot. So in your first run, you don't really have any upgrades. You just go for it. But once you do your first run, you get as far as you can. Get the experience from that. Go over to the upgrade menu. Buy the up, Unlock the upgrades. Then the next time you play the game, those upgrades can pop up as options for you to select while you're playing. Interesting. So it encourages like a sort of repeats, like a returning playstyle, essentially. Like, like it's not necessarily some. Like when you say when you when you play the game, are you saying just when you die, or when you actually, as though you know, like the next day, like you're as back you and they're they're there. Okay, okay, okay. So like you die, lose the game, but now you have all this experience to go unlock new stuff. And the next time you play, that stuff will be unlocked in the game, but it's not it's not available right away, right? So like, um, every and like you actually unlock how often you get stuff in the game. So like when you first play, it's every like four levels you get the option to like upgrade something, and then you can do permanent unlocks where it's just these are the ones that are active all the time that lets you upgrade. It's every three levels you unlock something. Every two levels you unlock. Until finally, like, every single level, you get new upgrades to select from. Hmm. And then the experiences, you unlock more upgrades to choose from, from the pool. 
I don't know if I'm so explaining how do you f- this very well. Like, so it basically what it sounds like to me is like you start out like in this very simple, this simple tower defense game. And like you said, you can pick the different paths. Um, the paths expand. Do they expand along randomized routes as like the the uh, rounds go? Yes and no. Essentially. Okay. Um, the next round doesn't start until you click expand. Mm-hmm. But you have control over how and where it expands to a degree. So it'll kind of split the monsters evenly among all available paths. Okay. So let's say you've got two paths, right? Your tower's in the middle. There's a path to the left, path to the right. You've got all your ta- yep. you've got all your defenses placed down. If you expand to the one to the right, you've got a long that one expands out by one section. So now there's two sections on the right, one on the left. Okay. But now the monsters are coming. Same amount of monsters, shorter distance on the left. So, theoretically, your defenses on the left would have to be kind of almost more or heavier Mm -hmm. because there's a shorter distance. If you don't kill them in time, they're getting to the tower. Whereas on the right, because you expanded it out, you've got a little bit more, like, room to play with and more time to kill them before they can get to the tower. When you say expand, do you mean as, like, if we're thinking that the tower in the middle and then the path on the left or the right... Do you mean as they get wider, or do you mean it gets longer? Longer. Or, like, both? Longer. It gets longer. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Okay. Yes. Like, think of, like, That's Minecraft blocks, where, like, you're adding blocks onto the side. Okay. So, like, how do you find, then, because it sounds interesting where this game is sort of, like, encouraging this sort of, initially, this sort of, like, um, I wouldn't say, like, reckless abandon, but it's definitely just sort of, like you said, like, throwing yourself into it. But then knowing that you're almost more playing to get to certain points knowing that you can get upgrades and then come back for the next round. And do you get to apply those upgrades that you earned right away then in the opening uh, part of the first round? Or do you have to wait until you get to the round that you unlock them to actually use them? So um, you have to wait to use them. However, it's not just, oh, you hit level five. Here are the level five unlocks. It's, you hit level five. We're going to draw three random upgrades from the list, the like deck of upgrades you can choose from and you pick one, which is what I was trying to say before of like, you can go and unlock everything, but the more stuff you unlock, the harder it is to get the upgrades you necessarily want. For example, mm-hmm. there's uh like poison towers, right? Like poison sprayers and flamethrowers and, Uh, ice towers that slow enemies down but they all use magic they all use your mana resource Mm -hmm. but there's a uh, building you can unlock that uh, is a mana mine you place it down next to a mana cube it mines the mana you it regenerates your mana makes sense however if you have a ton of stuff unlocked you could go quite a few rounds into the game without the mana mine ever being something you could pick Because you only start with the ballista and you add new towers from the cards you select. So if every five rounds or every three rounds you're only given three cards to choose from, you could go round after round after round never being able to choose the mana mana mine. Well, that's fascinating. So you could have all the equipment for one thing, but you could be missing an essential upgrade that, like, unlocks the whole thing, basically. Yeah. Like, there have been rounds where I keep getting upgrades to flamethrowers, and I never actually got the chance to buy the flamethrower. So, like, do these upgrades, um, do they, do they, do they stay with you, uh, every time you die, or is it only, do you only get the upgrades that you unlocked the previous life? So, I'm trying to figure out how I answer this. Mm-hmm. It does you so. Let's say you've got your ballista, right? That's like the first defense. Yep. Every time you start the game, you only have the ballista as a tower you can place down. Okay. However, the cards you can like the card deck you can choose from has all your unlocks still. But as you play the game, you can pick from the deck. Can you pick in the middle of a round, or can you only no. pick at the end? It's basically okay. it's kind of like a reward system. Like, okay, you survived the round. Pick one of these three. 
Like, it draws three, pick one. And then next round, draw what? three, pick one. Is the is the style of the game like a like a fantasy? Like, is it like orcs fantasy, and like goblins orcs. and stuff? It's very okay. simplistic, like blocky designs. Um, but frankly, it gets big enough that you zoom out, you don't see much. What What do you think? Like for you, like what do you think? Because um, this sounds like really, it sounds like a, a small but very like interesting little game. Like what? Like you what do you Bloom's think? Like tower defense. I do, yeah, from Unedicted Games. Yeah, yeah, so you remember how, like, Bloons Tower Defense, you'd place the towers down, and those were just the towers. And as you yeah. bought money, you could buy new to- new types of tower. Mm-hmm. You could do that, but then you can also upgrade the towers, but the things you have to choose from, randomize. Interesting. Okay. So, like, it's not, oh, every time you hit level 5, you unlock the flamethrower. It's, you hit level 5... Pick one of these three things to choose from that gets added to your pool of resources. Yeah, so you have to sort of, like, you're dealing with, you're not just dealing with the pressure from defeating enemies, you're also, like, that's an interesting mixture. What'd you say? You're dealing with RNGesus. Where <laughs> is, is that the term for it? RNGesus? You've never heard of RNGesus? Random number generator. I actually, I... I genuinely, I I know a random generator. I I've never heard these terms. What a fucking loser Dice. you are, dude! Tell me about it. I'm uh, out of the fucking lingo, man. But it really is just the math, right? So like, when you start the game brand new, completely fresh, no progress whatsoever, you have the ballista, and like three upgrades for it to choose from. You have okay. nothing, but that also means you have a one in three chance. Of drawing the card you want. As you add more... So say there's like an upgrade that adds... Plus one damage to health. To my ballistas. At the start... With no upgrades purchased or unlocked... I I know I'm going to get that... Very easily. The more things you unlock... It goes from being one out of three... To one out of twenty. Or one out of forty. And just... that It's that much lower odds you get the things you want. Wait, sorry. I'm so sorry. Run that back for me one more time. Why do these odds decrease? I would think that the more that you get, like, the more, like, the more chances you have of getting the stuff that you want, right? Because it's just the the amount of stuff in the pool dwindles. Other way around. Uh, sorry. I mean, for, like, when you unlock things, per like, that adds to the stuff you can choose from, right? Okay, yeah. So... Let's say you win, you play three games, you get a bunch of experience, you go over to the unlock tab, and you unlock ten cards. Okay. Now, instead of being, instead of having one out of three chance of getting the plus one health bonus, you have a one out of thirteen chance to draw the plus one health bonus. Oh. Yeah. Which is kind of... So you don't want more options basically you want want strategic options do you Mm. want to go really in-depth on one tower type where you only ever like you have all the upgrades for a single tower so that when you're drawing as you play the game you're just upgrading that one tower over and over and over again or do you unlock all the tower types so that as you play you're constantly getting new tower types you can use but they're not going to be as powerful. Or you're not going to be able to power them up as much. Man, this is, uh, this is like very, um... It's $15 on Steam. Go check out the Steam page. Go watch the videos. I forget, I forget, like, sometimes, like, how kind of, like, smart and sometimes, like, mathematically, like, minded you are. Like, that's a very, that sounds like a lot of variables to keep track of. Um, oh, like, what do you think for you draws you to that game? Uh, the repetitive nature, frankly. Uh, okay. It's, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know how uh, a lot of like phone apps, when they have the embedded ads, like the Google AdSense, whatever, there'll be those ads for, uh, those fake ads for games where it's like, oh, do the puzzle and help the fish. 
Or mm-hmm. like the zombie path thing where the, the survivors are running from the zombies, guide them into the right upgrades so you can survive the horde. It's like, I want to play that game. But I know the ad you made for that game isn't actually the game that I'd be playing. Mm-hmm. Just give me the game. And that's what this game is. Is this game, like, this game is just a casual defense game I want to play. Pure, simple, satisfying. It's simple, it's satisfying, it's just absolutely satisfying and simple. Um, it makes sense, and it's not trying to be anything it isn't. Uh, like, he, he made the game, he was done with the game. The game is what the game is. It's not getting milked. I like it. That's uh, that's nice. But yeah, that's that sounds my recommendation. Like a, sounds like a cozy little fireplace, kind of. Like something you could just kind of... absolute time waster. Yeah, especially, like, but that... There's nothing wrong with that. With the, like, there's, like the yeah. number of paths you start with is kind of almost your difficulty selection of like, one path is easiest, because you can funnel them all and it's a lot easier... Compared to four paths where you're trying to manage four different sides. I got to like level 30 or 40 on the fir- on one path after I got a bunch of upgrades unlocked. And I still haven't gotten past like level 11 on any other path. Damn son. Okay, so you got some, you got some, uh, you got some goals to shoot for then, potentially. If you so choose. Yeah, and as thing like because it keeps getting longer and just takes more time for stuff to go, you really can't almost like set it and forget it for a little bit of like, okay, I got all my stuff set, hit play, the monsters go through, this stuff dies, meanwhile I'm in another tab. Yeah, that's fun. You're again, it's like it is it's like tending a little fireplace. Like you get to kind of pay attention to something, but it doesn't take up your entire time. Yeah. And it's like Mm. what if what if what if I just may tried one more time I, I lost at level 10 but I'll get to level 11 next time <laughs> that's how they get you I, I can do that's it that's how they do I it got time. but no, yeah not. that's what I'm recommending what was it called again Rogue Tower Rogue Tower 15 bucks on Steam it's fun Go play it. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it out. It doesn't... And I feel like I need to disclose this, is that I do know the person who developed the game. Do you really? Dude, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's a second game, so... Hey, man, it sounds... It sounds... That's... Congratulations. I understand you probably don't want to dox them, so... No, but I just want to say... I mean, like I said, it's a Die of Death Games. It's the second game. Uh, Personally, my favorite of the two games, but also I made a lot of poor choices on the first game in terms of, like, stats and buffing and those kinds of things, so. Well, to that person, uh, and this is me talking to you personally, congratulations. I can dox him. He's he's on our uh, Kingdom Hearts episode. You can say his name. It's Andrew. You know him. Andrew. Uh, he was a college friend of mine. He was on our Kingdom Hearts episode back in the early, early days of the uh, the show. I f- I'm going to uh, feel really bad. I had him I and Alex like I... on him because he absolutely hates hearing about Kingdom Hearts and Alex because Alex was going to explain Kingdom Hearts. Uh, that's funny. Is he a like a app. quiet? He was quieter, quieter yeah. I... Tall. Yeah. I feel bad. You, I, you I know that there have been... You probably didn't meet him often. I'll put it that way. Okay. I well, I just feel I feel like there have been some podcasts where maybe I might have we might have been on the same one, but that would have been a so. few years ago. I actually okay. don't think either of you were on at the same time. Well, to Andrew, congratulations! That's a huge accomplishment to finish a game like that. It sounds really, really, really fun. Uh, honestly, I'm not gonna lie; it sounds a little confusing, but it sounds pretty fucking cool too. And it's just a huge accomplishment to make something like that. So seriously, dude, congrats! That's that's fantastic. What are you recommending? Oh, 
I'm going to recommend something amazing. Amazing. I'm going to recommend the movie. Um, it's not nearly as sexy as Rogue Tower, but it's Ooh. pretty close. It's called the movie. It's not. It's the movie Basic Instinct. You ever heard of this? I you heard this, heard folks. Of it. You heard of this? Okay. So I feel like I'm this movie that saying that. Yes, this movie is very good. This movie is made by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, who's the guy who did like RoboCop and Starship Troopers and Showgirls and a bunch of other stuff. And he, he directed this movie too. I've seen uh, RoboCop. Then you're somewhat familiar with his style. It's uh, sort of, uh, it's shot very well. But the premise of this movie is basically, um, it's not like some of his other movies. Oh, he also did Total Recall. Um, uh, I've seen that one too. Yeah, the original, not the not the remake. Um but yeah, he uh, so the premise of this film is uh, it stars a bunch of really good, really good people. Michael Douglas is the Ooh. starring role uh, opposite uh, the other lead, Sharon Stone, uh, GN Triplehorn, who I think is beautiful, uh, is in this movie as well. Um, uh, Wayne Knight has a supporting role, um, plus a bunch of other people, but basically. It stars Michael Douglas as this Los Angeles. I'm pretty sure it's it's either Los Angeles or like San Francisco, maybe. This this West Coast California detective in one of the big cities. And he is brought in with his partner to investigate um the murder of a famous rock star. And the murder uh was um profiled or written about in a book uh, that came out, a fiction book that came out a year before uh, this murder and was written by um, this rock star's last known girlfriend. Uh Uh-oh. So basically, or like, I should say, like, not like girlfriend, like romantically necessarily involved, but like they were seeing each other and they're fucking and yeah. And that woman is played by Sharon Stone, who is amazing in this film. Um, There's a very stereotypically, if you look up Basic Instinct, you're going to get some results. There's a very stereotypical scene that she's known for in this movie, which is, yes, it's whatever. It's spectacular cinema, but it's reductive of her part. She plays this part excellently. This movie is well known because it is uh it is sort of a noir film but it is also what we would call like an erotic thriller sex plays a big 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 role in this movie um and in a way that i would say is like yes in a way gratuitous and graphic but also tasteful like and it's very difficult to talk about this um kind of delicately but it's fascinating. Like I've never seen a movie that plays seduction so well and truly gives it like it's it's its own weight. Um the the movie mainly follows like this game that Sharon Stone's character begins to play with Michael Douglas's character as he's investigating her. Mm. And She's like, she's beautiful, like she's beautiful and she's smart and she's got a great voice and all this, but there is something genuinely fucking terrifying about her. There is something really, really, really scary. Um, And it kind of like, I, I have never seen a film that does this kind of tone so well. It's, it kind of makes basic instinct very unique in the catalog of modern movies because people don't really I'm not I'm not huge into like I'm uh, this is maybe like the only like erotic thriller that I've like ever seen um I'm really not into the genre um but like I would say that for this one in particular it it does like the genre some justice it's just it's really well shot it's it, incredibly well written it's well acted like yes obviously you're there because like sex sells and people have like sex in this movie quite a bit or like 
a lot of the movie plays around like again themes of seduction and interpersonal attachment and how these begin to sort of like influence our lives what happens I when i recognize this i was doing the google to make sure i had the right one mm-hmm. and the only thing i've seen from it i haven't seen the full scene just the screenshot of apparently sharon stone uh mm-hmm. in the white top with her legs crossed sitting yeah. in the chair yeah yeah yeah, that's the scene that this movie got known for, um, which is with many scenes with movies, it's usually like the one that is the most sensational. And again, it becomes a little bit reductive. Like, I really, one of the things I really like about this movie is the way that it is shot. Like, if you think about the way that Robocop is shot, there's something about it that's almost animated. It's like slightly exaggerated and somewhat cartoonish and colorful and fun. To there's a really. Effect. Great. Yeah, it, it, exactly. There's like it. There's something where the balance of reality are being like played with in a way that is like noticeable, but still believable. And Basic Instinct does this really well. And it's cool because it's not a genre film. It's just a movie about regular people, but it's shot in this way that's kind of like it, it, it gives the, the characters and the story a little bit more of a of a lush animated like it's really cool to watch um and uh i don't know it's just it's fun to kind of see uh it's a very stereotype in a way it's like stereotypically like a male story um but it is like it is really really fun and i think there's a case to be made that either this film is like a genuine sort of like psychological masterpiece or that it's just like a pulpy campy neo-noir thriller um and i think either way it works uh so i would recommend basic instinct do not watch this with your parents uh do not watch it with a girlfriend or a boyfriend unless you are very close um and like like watch it like on your own give yourself like get, let yourself just fucking get loose a little bit when you watch this movie because you're going to kind of need it um but it's fun and it's like a great 90s installment uh so i would i would highly recommend basic instinct if you have not seen it uh i i promise you for most people there may be something to like about this movie cool yeah i i really like the director so like I'm totally down because that honestly the thing you said about the the way that he film like they film mm-hmm. same thing with a uh, total recall where it's like it's just a little over the top little outlandish yeah but the camp and the goof highlights and emphasizes and really makes it work yeah and and Sharon Stone's in that one too she plays Arnold's uh, wife oh, really? um, in the very beginning yeah the blonde and yeah huh. like it's cool it's it's cool to see it's it's his style if if the movie was shot a little more boring it would not be as thrilling but i think because he has this kind of already like excitable style it just it makes the movie weirdly feel almost kind of like goofy and innocent is like what i would say even though there are many scenes in this movie that are so far removed from that so yeah check it out Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, do we want to do a Better Buddies Rework rewrite on the story we heard on Friday? The story we heard on the Friday? The pickup truck with to... the machine gun? <laughs> oh, man, dude. Dude, we're gonna... I don't... How long so, have we been going? Because I, w- I want to make sure we have time for that. You know what I mean? Frankly, I don't think we do. Okay, can we can we save that because that deserves okay. like that is gonna that is gonna take like we're gonna turn. The, I think that's gonna take a bit. Yeah. It's gonna take a bit, but I think we need to tell people the concept. So apparently, yeah, we heard this from a a guy we knew back in the day who went in the military. We caught up with him for the first time in years on Friday, and he told us guy. of yeah one of the guys on the swim team, which you can hear about in a previous episode. Yes, um, you can. He told us that apparently out in the Middle East, there was an airport that American forces were patrolling. The Kabul airport. And 
frankly, the guys who had to do that patrol were getting sick of hiking up and down the airport all day, every day. And they saw... Now, do you remember which forces they were negotiating with? Oh, man, I don't. I thought it was the Afghani, um, but it could have been the... um... It could have been the Iranian forces as well, because I think Kabul is in Iran, I want to say. Um, but I could be totally wrong. They were they were negotiating. They wanted to negotiate local with forces. friendly forces. They were negotiating yeah, with local, local friendly forces. forces who, like, they're hiking up and down, and they see these local friendlies who had a American pickup truck with a machine gun mounted on the back. And they're like, they go over, they're like, uh, so, uh... We're getting sick of hiking up and down this thing. What, um, you think we could borrow that while we're here? And of course they had to, they had to pay for it. So I think they end up, apparently America's one, like one of, if not the only place that does chewing tobacco. So for some chewing tobacco, American forces began patrolling this airport with an American pickup truck with a mounted gun. It was fantastic. Yeah. And basically, apparently, these guys, like, they spent the the next, the successive weeks, like, running around, um, basically fighting off, uh, because like this is, this is actually, combat. yeah, and this was recent, too. This is when the Taliban were retaking, um, is that Afghanistan? Am I an idiot? Yeah, it is Afghanistan. Um, it's when they were retaking... Kabul and when we left all of our military equipment and these guys were keeping the airport secure so that like people could get in and out and they traded uh you know uh, I think I think he said like three tins of wintergreen yep of Co- Copenhagen cool. wintergreen yeah Copenhagen wintergreen for uh for this pickup truck with a mounted machine gun on it and they spent the next weeks running around basically like firing all over at Afghan uh, forces and keeping them at, at bay um, with this like picker pickup truck, which now the guy told me is in a museum somewhere. I think he said it's in like a par- the official paratrooper museum or some military museum. Like it, it because it was regarded as like a, like a significant um, basically relic of war <laughs> that, uh, okay, here we go. It was it was sent back to the uh, place outside the 82nd Airborne Division War Memorial and Museum. Hell um, yeah! And that like the guy who basically authorized the trade was like promoted highly because he basically by trading just basic resources he kept the Kabul airport secure with these guys running around, um, enough to get people in and out of it, um. It's a great fucking story. We're not necessarily doing it justice, but it is, it's like, it's like one of the, it's like something you would see in a movie. It's so good. So we got to do like a rework rewrite on that. We got to come up with something. I actually have a story idea that is like loosely related to this, which I can pitch, but I can do that next week because it'll, it'll take too much time here's the marvel of based on a true story is as long as the concept is based on a true story it's just fucking true <laughs> that's true I've, as long I've as learned it's anything from movies any movie based on a true story is a completely true unaltered telling of events how they happened <sighs> damn you're right dude movie logic wins again how do they do it those Hollywood people are too they smart just, for us. They're too honest. They can't they're, help I, it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, that's the problem. They're too honest. Well said. <laughs> no. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I, I don't know if I would have brought it up for a rework rewrite, but that's such a good idea. And now I'm going to be like thinking about it for next week. Good. Well, our next segment is How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question this week, what pop culture classics shall I reintroduce to my sons with the further details? Hey guys, 
I've got some extra time with my kids this summer, and want to introduce some of the good old classic films of the 80s, 90s, and on. Mostly so they can understand my jokes. I've got four boys, aged 11, 10, 9, and 4. I already have been doing this basically throughout their lifetimes, but I want to revisit a few and also source out your thoughts in case I missed any good ones. Oh, dang. Star Wars Trilogy, OG. What are the ages again? 11, 10, 9, and 4, so RoboCop is out. RoboCop is out. I would say Jaws. I think I think those mm. maybe not for the four, maybe not for the four year old. Yeah, not for the four year old. I think those kids are old enough around uh, around about that to see Jaws. My dad saw Jaws when he was about that age. Um, uh, Jurassic Park again, probably Jurassic not the Park. But I I wanted to say Pulp Fiction. No, nope. um, but nope. that's not. Yeah, Nuh-uh. save that for when they're a teenager. Save that for like late middle school. Show that to them when no, they're no, like no, eighth no, grade. No, 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 no. You save that for high school and they can comprehend it. Fuck no. You show it to them when no, they're in middle no, no, school no. so they'll think it's really cool and then you show no. it to them in high school to recontextualize it. No. Yeah. I saw, I'm saw. i pretty sure I saw Pulp Fiction when I was in like 8th grade. Like late 8th grade. Like it might have been the summer between my 8th grade and my freshman year of high school. I, I don't think that's Glorious Bastards till I was in high school. Jesus, really? Yeah. I think I, I, I want to say I saw it when I was in middle school. I mean, oh, I would say too. Okay, okay. You want one that's like nice and fun and safe? Ocean's Eleven, uh, the remake with with uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Well, that one's pretty. Is that nineties? It's two thousands. Does that not count? Do they not eh, say two thousands? Borderline. All right. Uh, back to the Future. I mean, back to the good and yes, that's a good one. Back to the um, Future. E. T. The Goonies. The Goonies. Indiana Jones. Uh, I'm trying to think. Second on the Goonies. Like, for real. That's Clueless. Like, that, the 11, 10, 9, 4. Great Goonies age. Oh, that is a really good Goonies age. Oh, you gotta show them, too. You gotta show them... Ghostbusters. Uh, Ghostbusters. I was gonna say... You should probably show them The Lion King. Yeah. They'll, they'll work. They'll fly. Um... I would say two, even though it's again they're not '90s, but Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, mm. Atlantis: Lost Empire. You should show them a Studio Ghibli movie. Um, Porco Rosso. Porco, yeah, he, <laughs> which is actually a 2000s actually, yeah. film. Is it really? I'm pretty sure. Let me double check. Oh damn! I want to say it's. I think you might be right. I, th- I think you're right. Oh, sorry. I apologize. I'm completely wrong. It's a 1992. Damn. I don't know why I thought it was All right, never mind. There might have been a re-release or something. Yeah, probably. Um, I'm trying to think here. But no, I know, real, again, this is Ghibli 2000s. Film, I... Porco Rosso is a great one for your boys that age because it's airplanes and gunfights, but it's also still very pretty. Yes, very true. A House Moving Castle is not a bad one either for that age. Like, it's pretty, like, it's powerful, it's fun, it's got fantasy in it, um, it's got something for everybody. I would say, too, again, I know it's not 90s, but Shrek, I'd say Shrek. Show them Shrek. That movie's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think. Hmm. I, I said Clueless before. Um, I'd I don't know hold if... off on Clueless. Yeah, I guess that probably won't really... I guess if it was girls... We got four boys aged 11, 10, 9, and 4. I don't think they care about goddamn Emma. The Sandlot. Show them the Sandlot. Show them the Sandlot. Show them that movie. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. That is a good one. Um, That is a really good one. I feel like there's another one I was thinking of that, like, Field of Dreams brought to mind, but I can't think of it now. Film uh, Homeward Bound. No, (laughs) fuck that. Yeah, show them Homeward Bound. Uh, show them, uh, show them either Balto or All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh God, talk about trauma. Yeah. Uh, let me think here. Um, what are some of the other movies? Would you say Saving Private Ryan, or is that too nope. much? No. What about The Green Mile? Is that too much? Nope. Shawshank Redemption? No, probably not, actually. Not no, Shawshank, not no. Yeah. Um, um, i trying to think of what I watched, you know. Yeah, me too. Bugs Life? You can do Bugs Life. Toy Story. not one of my favorite uh, Disney's. 
really. I, I I'm surprised you didn't say. Watched it, frankly. Really, a Bug's Life? Oh, if dude! If I saw it, I it's saw not, parts of it. You know, it's not too bad. It's like it's fun. It's it's pretty inventive. Oh yeah. But like, I'm surprised. Just never came. Did you up. say? Did you say Toy Story? Uh, yeah. Go watch Toy Story. Um. Watch Toy Story, and then Toy Story Two, and then wait mm-hmm. a decade, and then you can watch Toy Story Three. Yeah, and then you'll there you cry. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um. Oh man, I'm definitely. I'm really trying to think. I feel like we've got a pretty exhaustive list. I know we've got a good list. Yeah, there's stuff we're missing for sure. Um, I mean, real easy. uh, Let's uh, '80s movies. Oh, Oh, what about? Do you think Breakfast Club or no? Probably not. Wait till they're older. Uh, Oh, Superman! Watch the original Superman. You should do that. Yeah, I actually still haven't seen it. The Michael Keaton Batman. Um, Are you sure about that? Eh, probably. You're probably fine. The original Tron. What about, the, what about... Oh! Great answer. Great answer. Oh, what the fuck? Harry Potter. You could watch the first Harry Hang Potter on, no, movie. No, no, no. I've got a movie I need to ask about. Uh, okay, I hmm. guess this is the thing. So as I'm scrolling through top picks for me on 80s movies... One of the ones that came up was Sexy Time Trip Ninjas. Is that real? Apparently it's on IMDb. 5.2 out of I'd, 10. I'd say... I'd say 16, that out. Ninja Saratobi Sasuke is assigned the task of finding a hidden treasure that will restore his clan to their full power. However, sexy ninja warrior Kagero stands in Sasuke's way. Complications ensue when a sudden time warp occurs, and both Sasuke and Kagero find themselves thrust hundreds of years into the future to Tokyo, Japan, in 1984. That's pretty fun. Um, Ewoks, the battle for Endor. There you go. The Karate Kid. There we go. Karate Kid. There's one. Yeah, you can watch the Karate Kid for sure. Um, I haven't um, seen it, but Willow came out in 1988. I hear that's pretty good. Willow? You can watch Land Before Time as well. Eh. What do you mean, uh? Eh. Fuck out of here. Eh. You don't, you don't like fucking dinosaurs? You eh. watch the Disney movie, I was dinosaur. never a dinosaur kid. Spaceballs? Are you, see- are you serious? I was never really a are dinosaur you- kid. Dinosaurs are so fucking kid. cool. Ugh. Dinosaurs are so fucking cool, RJ. Get the fuck out of here. Neverending Story, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal. Oh, damn. Yeah. Any of the Muppets movies, really. Um, God, it's weird how many of these movies like I recognize as I'm scrolling through. Like, I never saw it, but I know the name Buckaroo Banzai. The Last Starfighter, yeah. again, recognize it, never actually saw it. Time Bandits. Yeah. Yeah. What about like uh, the movie? Oh, like the that's probably like an old animated one. It's like the animated movie. It was the first one they did, and in it they killed Optimus Prime. The end. Nice, nice. You did. You said Spaceballs. Yeah. Yeah, Spaceballs. Spaceballs would be good. That's a good one. After you watch Star Wars. After Star Wars, yes, yeah. Oh, Indiana Jones. I said that. Did you really? I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. That totally blipped. Um, yeah, I think we got a good list. Did you, you say got... Gremlins? Oh, Gremlins is a classic. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fucking stacked. Um, if you didn't find... If you went through that entire list and were like, I've seen all these already, go watch them again. Suck it up, you nerd. Yeah, come on. Just stop. Stop talking to yourself. You're listening to a podcast. What are you doing? Our next question, probably our last one this week, because we spent so long listing off movies. Oh no! Uh, how would you guys feel about having an overprotect, having not overprotective, just having a protective significant other? With the further details, 
It's usually the other way around, so I was wondering. Like, running interference when people start making you uncomfortable, walking on the street side of the sidewalk, physically standing in front slash guarding when there are sketchy people nearby, etc. A real, he asked for no onions on this burger kind of partner. Oh, man. I'd be in love. I'd be very flattered, honestly. Um, as as I think is common, like, I, I wouldn't want it to necessarily overstep, like, bounds. Like, I'm still obviously my own person, but if somebody actually, like, cares about you that much, I think that's, like, I think that's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, I think part of it is, like, it's very sweet. I'm totally fine with it. But I think I definitely needed to be like, a, oh, let's take turns on how defensive we get for each other and of each other. Because, like, I want to be defensive of them, too. Yeah, that's all. That's that's definitely fair. Like, I, I would want to be able to. Yeah, you want to you want to be able to do both. Um, and you want them to be able to feel that as well. You don't want the relationship to be lopsided. Um, I can agree with that. Yeah. It'd be yeah, it'd be very endearing though. That's for sure. Cool. Yeah, we can we can do one more. Yeah, we can squeak one in. Our last question this week. We'll do this one. Cause it's been on the docket for months and it's not relevant anymore. Hmm. Uh a question from my nine year old daughter that I can't answer. If Titan imploded like a tin can, why fishes do not? Do you know what Titan was, James? Oh, you're talking about the, um, you're talking about the submersible, right? The submersible controlled by a video game controller. Hey, they try their best, all right? The carbon fiber one that all the safety people said, yeah, don't fucking do this. Well, you know, sometimes things happen. Oh, things happen. So the question is... And then they don't. The question is, why don't fishes implode? Um, Because they're magic. If I'm talking to a a little kid, I'm going to be like, because they're magical. Because they're, they're, you know, they live down there. That's their home turf, you know? That's how they're, they're walking around. That's what they do. You know, we don't belong down there, so we're not used to it, but they are. Uh, look, here's here's why fishes don't. It's because their bodies have adapted to the pressure. They don't need to hold themselves together because the pressure does. Have you ever seen a blobfish? Yeah, supposedly they don't look like that. They don't. Like in real life. Any blobfish you've seen where it's all flattened out and flabby is because it literally, like, exploded from lack of pressure. Imagine... Yeah. Like, you know what happens to humans when we go in space? We go we go boom. Well, it can even happen when you're climbing Everest. You know, it can, it can happen when you're diving as well. Like, you get the bends. Like, you can... You don't... I don't know if you distort that much, but you definitely, like... There are, like, air bubbles form in your blood and you die. Yep. So, frankly, fishes at that depth uh, don't, like, pop like that because their bodies are literally held together by the pressure. They're mostly, like, I don't know, what do you, goo. They're goo. Why did your daughter know about the the submersible collapsing on on people? Also, the daughter (laughs) was nine. Yeah, but... Why? It's like, fine. I guess. Yeah, I guess you can't really control. It's just sort of sad to think that a kid would ask that question. Not about the fish, but just knowing about the people. Well, you can know about the submersible and not know not what uh what happened, what happened? to the submersible. You know. I I guess <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's something that uh, not to be mean, but it only works with idiots and children. But yes, I think you're correct. Well, on that note, the idiots and children are signing off for the night. Yeah, hell yeah, we are. Time to go be idiots and kids somewhere else. Can't wait. Or for the day, if it's uh, if you're listening to this during the daytime. Yeah, shout out to you.
James, thank you for joining this week. Thank you for having me, RJ. It was wonderful. And thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we have our Meme Mondays. Our social media platform, formerly known as Twitter, is at BetterBudcast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love, and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And last but not least... Be a better buddy. I just imagine you given like that speech from uh, like the first Avatar movie. You know what like, I'm talking about? The one that the colonel gives or whatever? No, I saw that when I was like goddamn 12. Damn, dude, you don't remember, like, the welcome to Pandora. Everything that lies, jumps, James, you're talking about one mud. of the most culturally impactful movies that left no cultural impact. Yeah, it was kind of a ghost meteor, wasn't it? Disappointing, James and the same thing Cameron. Happened to the second one. Fucking, it was big hype, it made all the money, and no one's talking about it. Yeah, unlike Barbie and Oppenheimer, baby, people are going to talk about those for 5,000 years. That's the thing, though. Forever. I feel like they will get talked about for more than... I have heard more about Barbie and Oppenheimer in their entirety so far than I heard anything about Avatar besides, oh, it's going to make money.